Good morning. Good morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. The Bible says we ought to rejoice and be glad. Who's glad to be alive today? Amen. 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 To the Calvary Church, thank you so much for the blessing and the privilege to be with you in worship this morning and to share with you out of the Word of God. I'm grateful to your pastor, Pastor Jim Sammer, who's extended this invitation. Uh, this is my second time standing uh, here with you in worship, and both times, neither of which he has been here. But nonetheless, I don't know what that means, but I am certainly uh, grateful. And I heard and found out this morning that he's away on a study break in Florida while we are in the midst of a cold spring. But uh, I'm, I trust that God is doing great work with him down in Florida. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the book of Genesis? In the 22nd chapter there is an episode, uh, an episode in Scripture that I find to be quite provocative, challenging, inspiring, convicting. Every time I read it, God does something different and special with me, and I'd love to share that with you. There in the 22nd chapter of Genesis, beginning with verse number 1, it says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, the fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second, and said, a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your only son, Isaac, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. 
Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed, because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants, and they set off together for Beersheba. And Abraham stayed in Beersheba. This morning, I want to use this episode out of Scripture, this, this great scene that plays out. I want to talk to us about the audacity of faith. The audacity of faith. The Bible records that we are a peculiar people. We are a chosen, called out people. What is it that makes us peculiar? Is it, is it the corny jokes that we tell or the texture of our hair? Or, you know, people say that Christians are just weird people. At least that's what I've heard. But, but nonetheless, what is it that makes us weird? What is it that makes us peculiar? It's not the fact that perhaps maybe we talk different from other people or that we listen to different kind of music. But what makes us peculiar is, is the sense that God has chosen us. God has chosen us out of the world, and God has initiated and established a relationship with us. And in that relationship, God has expectation of how we respond to him and how we live with him. The book of Genesis opens up and shares with us the story, God's great love story for his created man. But in Genesis, we also see the presence of sin, and we feel the tension between the presence of sin and God's love for creation. Here, right now, we see the two come, they come and they converge, where God makes this bold request of Abraham. God's blessed him with the son in his old age. Abraham just knew it could not happen, but God told him. God made a promise. God established a covenant with him. And God spoke to him when there was no evidence. There was no evidence in Abraham's life of having children. And God says, God didn't just say, I'll make you a father of one son. God said, I'll make you a father of many nations. Abraham goes and tells Sarah and Sarah it gets beside herself and laughs and says, Abraham, maybe your eyes are failing you. Sarah don't look like she used to look. <laughs> Things don't work like they used to work. Nonetheless, God still moves. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna set the, the, the episode with Hagar on the side and understand that between Abraham and Sarah, his wife, they have a son named Isaac. And God has blessed Abraham with this son. But then one day an angel shows up and says that God wants him back. God wants you to give this son that you love, your only son, Isaac, give him to God as a burnt offering. Sacrifice him. Don't want you to go and dedicate him to God. We want you to completely surrender and give him over to God. Well, I come by to talk to us today about what faith looks like. Abraham provides for us a portrait of faith, a genuine, a, an unadulterated faith. And I believe that somewhere we've drifted from the faith of Abraham and we have now expressed something else that is not necessarily faith. Maybe what we express more, may be more so appreciation for God rather than faith in God. Because genuine faith has nothing to do with what God does for us. 
We don't have faith in God because of what God gives us in return. Our faith is not conditional upon what we receive. I don't have faith because God blesses me. We ought to have faith because God is God. We ought to have faith because God is who he is, who he says he is, and God, and therefore God expects us to have faith. And that, that, is, that is very contradictory in our Western view of the world. We attach faith to so many other trivial things in our lives. We attach our faith to what God does for us and what God, how God blesses us materially, but that's not necessarily faith. Abraham here shares, is sharing, or, or Moses has recorded out of the, about the life of Abraham, and we see here what God does with faith and how God has the right to test faith and to prove faith. And through this test, God teaches us valuable lessons. I want to pull out of this story here some of these great lessons that God's test of faith can teach us. Lesson number one is that faith is active and intentional. It's active and intentional. You see here, the angel tells Abraham, Abraham, God wants your son. Offer him, sacrifice him as a burnt offering. And the Bible says that early the next morning, Abraham wakes up, he saddles up the donkey, and he makes his way to Moriah. Notice what you don't see in the text. You don't see Abraham arguing with the angel. You don't see Abraham entering into negotiation. You don't see Abraham bringing it to God's attention. Now, wait a minute, God. You do realize that I only have one son. You don't hear Abraham calling God out saying, God, now you, how can you promise me to be the father of many nations through my seed and yet you want to ask for the seed back. God, you can't do this. You, you, you can't, that this isn't right. This isn't fair. But we see Abraham immediately taking steps, and we're going to call them steps of faith. We're going to see that Abraham does not delay, but Abraham begins his journey, a three-day journey at that. In fact, God, you know, it, just to make sure that it settles in, you don't see Abraham waiting, procrastinating. Any procrastinators present this morning? I am a recovering procrastinator. <laughs> I am a constant work in progress. Pray for me. But we don't see Abraham waiting until the last minute just in case God comes back and says, wait a minute, you know, I, I thought about something, Abraham. I, maybe, maybe we'll try something else. No. Once God has made his request, Abraham begins to take the steps to honor such a request. The Bible tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. We try to put so many other things in place of faith, or we try to take so many other activities and dress them up and call them faith and think that God ought be pleased. We try to sing to God's pleasure. We try to wave our hands that God would be pleased. We try to speak in holy terminology that God might be pleased. We go to prestigious schools. 
We wear godly clothes. We go and we drive godly cars. We, we use godly lingo. You know, we, we, this is a place that God has blessed. This is the suit God wears, this kind of stuff. God shops here. God does this. We, uh, and we call that faith, but the Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please him. But faith ought not be about what you get in return. Faith ought to be about who God is and what God is worth. The Bible says that faith without works is dead. Therefore, I cannot sit perched in my place of comfort and ease and talk about God has blessed me with all of this. Therefore, I believe in him. Cannot say that we have faith when we always have the means to do whatever it is that we want. But faith requires some action, and there ought to be action where there is no evidence. From a Western perspective, when we say that we act in faith, we want confirmation before we take steps. Hebrews 11 says that faith then is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That means then that when I act in faith, I ought already show substance of what I anticipate receiving or seeing. The question for all of us now is, what steps do you need to take? Where is your evidence for what you believe? The Bible tells us that we walk by faith and not by sight. If you can see it. It's not necessarily faith. Are you you waiting for the stars to align properly? Are you waiting for the waters to be parted? Are you waiting for it to fall out of the sky? Are you waiting for all of the money to be in place? Then you act. That's not the faith that Abraham explores. Abraham makes his way to Moriah not even having everything necessary for the sacrifice, per se. Abraham goes to Moriah knowing that he's the father of many nations and knowing that he cannot be that without a son. And so, therefore, he knows that some kind of way between here and Moriah, God's got to do something special so that he might honor his word. Somebody here is saying, I'm getting ready to go back to school. I'm going 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 back to school. Steps of faith would be then, you go and buy a backpack. (laughs) See, faith is active and intentional, which means then that, that there's always steps that we can take. And we do what we have control and power over. And we trust that God will take care of these other parts. God told Abraham to meet him in Moriah. The only thing that Abraham had to worry about was getting Isaac to Moriah. What is your Isaac today? What is it that God asks you to surrender to him? Isaac could be your own children. Isaac could be your career. Maybe Isaac is your health. Maybe Isaac is your marriage. Maybe Isaac is a season in your life 
where you have conditioned yourself to manipulate and make things come to pass. And then when it happens the way you want it to happen, then you put the stamp of faith on it. But now God's made a request. And you don't have the currency, whether it be relational, financial, physical strength. You lack the capacity to bring to pass what you desire. And yet God wants to know, will you trust me? It's time to take steps. Make your way to Moriah. But there's a second lesson here. Not only is faith active and intentional, but faith has reason of its own. Faith, genuine faith is otherworldly. Faith does not operate by the rules of the day. Faith goes against all rational thought and reason. And we see this happen in the text when you pay attention to the dialogue between Abraham and the servants and Abraham and his son Isaac. Abraham, once he sees Moriah at a distance, he tells his servants, stay here with the donkey while I go over here with Isaac to worship. And then we shall return. Abraham hasn't lost his mind. He knows what God has said. He knows that he must get to Moriah. He knows that a sacrifice has to happen and Isaac must be offered, but he also knows that it's through Isaac that he will be the father of many nations. And therefore, it doesn't make sense rationally but according to faith, it makes all the sense in the world. Abraham relinquishes Isaac. Abraham surrenders Isaac. And Abraham goes with Isaac. And in his act of relinquishment, Abraham doesn't even tell his servants, I'm going to sacrifice. Abraham says, I'm going to worship. I believe that there is value in making a distinction between those two terms. That the angel asked that Abraham would sacrifice his son Isaac. And in sacrificing, that means then you, you don't get it back. You're giving it up completely. But Abraham understood that the request of sacrifice is the privilege to worship. And therefore, do you realize that even when God asks you to do the unthinkable, it's still an invitation to be with him in worship. Faith requires outrageous obedience. And the walk with God makes some of the boldest requests of us. We love to excite ourselves over all of the blessings that we get from walking with God. We love, we, we, we get a pep in our step when we talk about how God blesses us and 
how he's blessed us beyond measure. And, the, and God has opened up the windows of heaven and rained down blessings upon us. God has done this and done that. But God also, God also can require and take when his servants had come in one after another telling Job, your family, your children have been wiped out and I was the last one left and I've come to tell you the Bible says that Job stripped his clothes from his body. Job said that the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Faith operates in its own reason. Faith understands God still is the one who grants and gives. God never runs out of blessing. God knows how to still give return. And so Abraham still understands. But Isaac raises a rational question. Father, uh, see Isaac? The Bible says that Abraham put the wood on Isaac. Isaac says, Father, I see the wood. And, I, and, and Abraham kept the knife and the fire. Isaac said, uh, Dad, I, I got the wood. You've got the fire and the knife. But where's the lamb? We, we are going to do a sacrifice, burnt offering, right? So you need, you need a lamb, you need fire, you need wood. We got all that, but where's the lamb? Abraham says, the Lord will provide. But he still makes his way to Moriah, that faith, faith operates under a different set of reason. Faith says now, regardless of what we have in our possession, still we must go. Faith says that we cannot wait till everything is favorable. Faith says that we, we go and we anticipate God making provision. God's called somebody to meet him at Moriah. And you're still wondering if God was serious. And so you're choosing to wait as if God has more information to share. But sometimes you don't get all of the information until you leave. And so you could miss your blessing waiting for more information, waiting for confirmation, in fact, I'm sure you look like a sophisticated audience. I'm sure that the vast majority of you have, tri have traveled by air before. And how many times have you gone down to the gate and received your boarding pass and you have not seen the airplane there yet? But you anticipate reaching your destination, do you not? But how many of us know that if you wait until the airplane gets there, then you make your way to the airport, what will happen? You will miss your flight. <laughs> Abraham's got his boarding pass. He's got the wood. He's got the fire. He's got the knife. His son raises a question, where is the lamb? And Abraham just tells him the Lord will provide. I don't know who's here this morning, but you got to keep walking to Moriah. You don't have all of the pieces. You don't have all of the parts. But you got to hear Abraham. The Lord will provide. You got to keep going. Even when life tells you to stop. When friends tell you it doesn't make sense. 
when circumstances don't add up, when things have not aligned themselves properly, still Mariah awaits your arrival. And you got to keep going. You got to keep putting one foot in front of the other. You got to keep praying. You got to keep fasting. You got to keep serving. You got to keep believing. You got to keep reading. You got to keep trusting. You have to keep on going. And then I'll close this way. Faith gets results. For the Bible says that it's not until Abraham gets there and prepares the sacrifice. The Bible says that he, he prepares the sacrifice. Can you see him methodically, meticulously preparing the altar? He doesn't have this, this, this nasty spirit where he's angry with God. How dare God take Isaac back from me after giving him to me? I'm going to throw this wood in, just take it here and just set him on fire and leave and walk. You see a heart of devotion when God has even asked him still to do the unthinkable with care and concern. He prepares a sacrifice as an act of worship to the God of heaven. All the way through faith follows through. He doesn't say, all right, God, I'm here. Now what? God said, offer your son as a sacrifice. How many of us, how many of us would allow our faith to carry us all the way through? Perhaps some of you are saying, I can get to Moriah. But once I get there, I expect God to have already showed up. Some of us could say, I can get to Moriah. And I can even get the altar ready. But once I have the altar all prepared, God better be ready. We, we bargain and reason with God that way, but, but not so with Abraham. He's got the wood and everything together, and he still has to say, come here, Isaac. Now, Isaac, let's, let's think about Isaac. We're not talking about a toddler. He's not, he's not you know, he's not the happy, gullible three-year-old inquisitive, bright-eyed, and bushy-tailed, blind, you know, children, they, they have a very low sense of danger. We're talking 16, 17 years old. Come here, Isaac. Give me your hands. Give me your feet. Be still. He takes the knife. He raises it. How how awful must it be to bring yourself to the place to take the life of your only child. But yet, we see Abraham and what raises his hands are faith. And it's not until he gets to the point of descent with a knife to kill his son that the angel cries out, Abraham! Hold your hand. Don't kill him. And there in the thicket, there's a rustle. There in the bushes, there's some noise. There in his periphery, God has showed up. God has come on the scene. And God has come in response to faith. God has come where faith has showed up. How many times have we stopped halfway, angry with God, wondering where is God when all this happens? 
and God may be where he calls you to be saying, where are you? I've been here waiting for you. And here, Abraham tells Isaac, all right, Isaac, you asked about the lamb. There he is. He looks like a ram, but he'll burn just fine. <laughs> Go get him. And so we conclude thinking about this now, that, that God can ask us to do the unthinkable. And it does not make him any less God. God can require from us even what we think he's not worth or worthy of. We're saying this is my child, my career, my family, my reputation, my body, my health. And God simply says, I gave it to you. And because I gave it to you does not mean now that I cannot ask for it back. And even if I ask for it back, what's even greater is God says, I still know how to bless you. I still know how to give you what you need. I still know how to hold you and keep you. And so this ram, Abraham says, well, God, you could have brought the ram a whole lot sooner. God, I trusted you all the way, but you could have done something way before we got here. But surely Caesar, the great gospel artist that she is, wrote a song called He's an On-Time God. The chorus says that he may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. Amen. Anybody know that? Do you know that God does know when to show up? And when he shows up, he shows up in a way that you have no doubt that it was nobody but God. Nobody but God could have done that the way that he did it. Nobody but God knows how to show up in my time of need. And God, all he wants to know is, will you trust me enough? to do what I ask you to do, because I promise you, if you get to Mariah, I'll take care of the rest. I don't know who's here this morning. I don't know what you're thinking about, but all I want you to know is just keep pushing to Mariah. Keep taking your steps. Keep walking. Keep journeying. Follow all the way through and watch God move. Because God expects and demands faith, and faith does not have to look the way that we think it should look. And believe and trust God, not because what God can do for you, but trust him for who he is. And who is God? He is the Alpha and the Omega, the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the one who is seated high on his throne, the captain of the universe, the God of ages. And God knows how to care and keep his children. God bless you. Let me pray for you this morning. Father... Lord, we assume positions and postures of submission this morning as we wrestle now with the reality of the walk with you. Without question, God, we know that you are a generous God and a giving God. But Lord, in your generosity still, you make requests of us. You push us, Lord. You push us into places and seasons that are foreign to us. But Lord, it's in those places where we feel your presence like never before. And now, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters who find themselves on their own journey. And Lord, someone today wrestles with your decision. 
Somebody right now, God, is embracing their Isaac tightly. Lord, I pray that you give them the courage to release, to relinquish, to worship you freely. That they'd walk in the spirit of the declaration of Jesus, not our will, Lord, but your will be done. And Father, we'll always be mindful of this, that we are who we are and we have what we have only by your grace. And we ask this in the only name that matters, the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.